Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Hello and welcome to this edition of World Weekly. Today we're looking at Italy, where the government of Matteo Renzi has done badly in recent regional elections. So is Mr Renzi's reformist project in trouble? And what does that mean for the rest of Europe? Joining me here in the studio in London is our international economics correspondent, Ferdinando Giuliano. And on the line from Rome is our bureau chief there, James Politi. James, first bring us up to date. What's actually happened in these elections and how significant is it? Seven of uh, Italy's 20 regions went to vote for local governors and councils on Sunday. And of these seven, Matteo Renzi's Democratic Party won five and his opponents won two. Now that sounds like a win for Matteo Renzi, but in three of the regions, he was sort of widely expected to win because these are Tuscany and Umbria and the Marche in the centre of Italy, which is traditionally left-wing. So there were a couple of sort of swing states, and the main one was Liguria. And in that region, he actually lost to a unified centre-right with the added challenge of a a split within his party because there was a left-wing candidate that was running against the main Democratic Party candidate and peeled away some of the votes. And that's sort of a sign of some disenchantment beginning to set in with Matteo Renzi. Um, And overall, the Democratic Party didn't do nearly as well as it did during the European elections of um, May 2014. But I guess some sorts of rollback of a ruling party, that's the kind of thing that happens in midterm. So is it premature to read all these rather gloomy stories that uh, Renzi is now in trouble? Well, I don't think this is a devastating setback by any means. He can recover and, you know, often in Italy, you will also see sort of the results of regional elections being blown out of proportion. But I think there are some important warning signs for him. One is, of course, the strength of the left-wing dissidents. And the other is the rise of Eurosceptic parties, such as the Northern League, which has done very, very well. And also the continuing strength of the Five Star Movement, which is a populist party led by former comedian Beppe Grillo, which did really quite well in many of the regions. And um, one of Renzi's great appeals was that he was going to be able to sort of crush that populism. And um, he hasn't quite been able to do that. Ferdinando, can you explain for us what's the economic background? Because obviously all Italians have been looking for a revival in the economy. How's Renzi doing? Well, in a way, these elections uh, have a paradox, which is the economy starting to pick up a little bit in the first quarter of this year with 0.3% growth, which may not sound like a lot, but for a country like Italy, which has been devastated by years and years of recession, is actually pretty good news. So you've had an economy picking up, but Renzi is still not doing as well as he hoped in the election. I think the answer to this paradox, in a way, is the fact that unemployment remains high. Now, this week we're starting to see some improvements in the labour market, but it's clear that with growth, which is not really expected to go 
uh, much above 1%, even if the government is lucky, unemployment will not come down very sharply. And people say, well, you really win votes if unemployment comes down, because when people find the job, then may may really start liking your government. So I think a lot of the outlook really depends on what happens to the economy in the next few months. Now, the conditions are in place for a good recovery in the short term. We have the quantitative easing from the European Central Bank, which is weakening the euro, which is really important for Italy's exports. One is tourism, for example. And uh, there is falling oil prices are also a big effect. Italy is a large uh, importer of energy. So this is good for companies, which will pay less for their energy, and is also good for consumers. Now, these are the short-term boosts. However, there are long-term problems in the Italian economy. One is due to the fact that many companies have actually had to shut down during the recession. So that productive potential could be lost forever. And the other one is what to do about the long-term unemployed and about all the people who've left the country throughout the recession. Now, this is the energy of Italy in many ways, which has been deprived and may have a long-lasting effect. And some people say that Renzi, for all his energy and his desire to turn the country around, has got his priorities wrong, that he stressed political reform initially rather than economic reform. But it was a bit striking that as an outsider, to me, they seem to be primarily political constitutional reforms. Why was he doing it that way? And do you think it was a mistake? Well, I think the reason he was doing that is because political reform was seen as the key to unlock economic reform. Let's remember Renzi has the Grand Coalition government and has problems within his own party, as, uh, as James uh, rightly said. So having an electoral law which could deliver a clear majority, which he didn't have, he doesn't have at the moment, uh, he's changed the one for the chamber now, so it's looking better, but it's very hard for him to push through any reforms. I think, to be fair to him, over the last few months, he's passed a number of interesting reforms and pretty significant, a good reform of the labour market, which people are applauding. But there remain some big sticking points. One is the high level of taxation, particularly payroll taxes in Italy, which are very high. So it's very costly to hire anyone. And in order to cut that, what you need to do are two things. One is cutting spending. And the other one is probably starting to cut pension benefits, which in Italy are very, very high, disproportionately high. Now, these are unpopular moves, obviously touching pensions or cutting spending means going and affecting people's income. So I would say the big uh, obstacle to rent is economic reforms is not so much the political reforms agenda, which can be complementary, is really the political will by him to make enemies as well as friends. And James, uh, sitting in Rome, do you think that it's only a matter of time and that eventually Renzi will get round to these really tough reforms which will bring people out onto the streets? Or do you think in the end he's going to shy away? Well, I think that's the big question now, and um, this is how he sort of reacts to the slightly, you know, changed political landscape here. Does he try to carve out some kind of compromise with the left wing of his party, which would probably inevitably lead to a watering down of his reform agenda, or does he go ahead full steam at the risk of sort of a more serious ambush from the left? and maybe try to reach out once again to the centre-right and, and the former Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi and try to sort of revive his reform agenda. Now, Renzi himself has said that he is going to go ahead with reforms and there are a few things sort of on the agenda soon 
that will be a test of that. There's public administration reform because the public sector desperately needs to be streamlined. Um, There's another big aspect of the constitutional reform that still needs to be approved um, in Parliament, which is the reform of the Senate, which was essentially stripped the Senate of many of its powers, and many see this as key to streamlining the political system. And so how sort of aggressively he forges ahead with some of these items will be very interesting to watch. The other thing that he has said he wants to do is change his own Democratic Party. So he wants to go ahead and reform his own party, and it's not exactly clear what that means, but it might mean trying to get rid of some of the dissident voices on the left somehow. Just briefly, James, you mentioned Silvio Berlusconi. I mean, is he still a factor in Italian politics? He's had all these legal problems. The last I heard he was having to clean an old people's home as part of community service, but is he still around? He had a one-year sentence to community service for tax fraud. That's over, so he's now no longer in the old folks' home. He was also cleared of paying for sex with a minor um, in April. So he did participate to a certain extent in the regional elections campaign. His party actually did very poorly. Forza Italia has been eclipsed as the main party of the right by the Northern League, And so uh, definitely Berlusconi's hopes of a political comeback are um, very dim at this point. There is one glimmer of light for him, which was that the winning candidate in uh, Liguria, which was the bellwether of these regional elections, was one of his closest associates. And so when you talk to people from Forza Italia, that's what they'll point to as their main source of solace here. And Ferdinando... How important is all of this to the rest of Europe? Because for the last two years, maybe, when people have talked about the things that Europe's future hinges on, it's really been Greece, Greece, Greece. And yet, looking back a bit further, I remember people said to me, well, you know, Greece is the sideshow in the end. Italy is is the country that matters. It's a much bigger economy. It's a much bigger country. So can Europe afford to uh, not concentrate on Italy? Or do you think what matters there really matters hugely to the EU? Italy matters a lot for two reasons. One is the one you've talked about, which is it's a very large economy after Germany and France is the largest in the Eurozone. So to have a really balanced and widespread recovery in the Eurozone, you need to have Italy growing again. But the second issue, which is just as important, is the debt. Italy's debt, which is over two trillion, is huge. Now, we're having problems about restructuring Greek debt. Now, imagine what would happen if Italy was not able to put its debt on a sustainable path. We would be talking about the biggest uh, default in history for sure. So, of course, it's in everyone's interest, Italy's, but also its partners, that Italy grows again so that its debt can kind of be put on a more sustainable path. And just finally, is that perhaps one of the lurking features in the Greek crisis, why people in Europe are so reluctant to restructure Greece's debt? Because if Greece's debt is unpayable, does that mean that maybe Italy's debt eventually will be regarded as unpayable as well? Well, there are clearly similarities in these cases, but there are also big differences. Italy's debt is held for a large proportion by domestic creditors, so it's a lot of Italian families. But I think there is the issue of the presidents is very much in uh, the creditors' mind, uh, so in uh, Germany's mind. It's not just about Italy, it's also about Portugal, Ireland, Spain's debt is a little lower, but it's also there. But clearly Greece is a bit of a testing ground for uh, the will of uh, different political players to forgive past sins, past fiscal sins. 
and how it will play out. It will have a major effect for other countries as well. So how important is the success of Mr Renzi to the overall European project? I think it's fundamental. In a way, Renzi, although many people don't like that expression, there is some truth in the fact that Renzi is one of the last hopes for Italy. You can't see many people outside him who could really try and turn Italy around within the Eurozone. The alternatives at the moment look like Eurosceptic alternatives, the Northern League, which James has referred to, the Five Star Movement. These are the kind of alternatives which in Germany or in France they would not like to see. So a success for Renzi would really uh, mean a lot in Berlin, Paris, as well as, of course, in Rome. Okay, Ferdinando Giuliano here in London. Thank you very much indeed. And thanks also to James Politi in Rome. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might also like to try our other FT podcasts, in particular FT Big Read, which is a weekly audio version of the FT's long-form reporting, or FT News, daily updates on the big global news stories of the day. And you can find them at ft.com slash podcasts or subscribe via iTunes.